Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. We thank you that we are alive, awake, full of life in our spirit, soul, and body, and ready to receive and ready to respond. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. amen. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to get something and sit down. Are you well today? Here's some bright lights up in this church. Hey, I wanted to give a shout out, first of all, to my mama. Shout out to mama. So, uh, if you didn't know, my mom passed away last year, but this camp message could be in honor of her since she's not here with us. She's in heaven, and uh, I'll dedicate it to her because she loved camp more than she loved Jessica and I. <laughs> so that was her third child was summer camp and the baby of the family, and she loved summer camp more than she loved us. So in honor of Pastor Diana, my mom, uh, this message is for her. So she's up in heaven right now cheering me on. So anyways, in honor of her today. I got two verses for you real quick, and we'll start Proverbs 4, 23. Just get my bearings trying to look at all you beautiful people. That was a compliment, guys. Like, you guys look good. Proverbs 4.23, New Living Translation. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, I got one more verse for you. Before we jump into this, it's 1 John 5 and verse 21. Short verse, this is what it says. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Good work, right? Let's go home. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. John just amened himself. Did, did you catch that? He just amened himself because it was so good. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. I know you guys have no idea where I'm going, and that's the way I like it. So, reading these two verses together, uh, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life, and 1 John 5.21, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. So, if you're taking notes, the title of my message tonight is, and I ain't coming to play tonight. Right? Roman, you agree? I ain't coming to play. Sam, you ready for this? I ain't coming to play tonight. So the title of my message is, Idols Don't Love You Back. Idols Don't Love You Back. Yes, I'm preaching a message on idolatry at camp. How exciting. Yes, it is. And once we get into this, you're going to understand exactly what I'm saying. But tonight I want to talk about Idols Don't Love You Back. Let's read again in Proverbs 4.23. This could be a key verse and key thought of today. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The most important thing you have is your heart. The most important thing that God gave you is your heart. And I'm not just talking about your physical pumping heart 
right here in your chest. I'm talking about your inward man, your spirit, your soul. The Bible says your inward man. That's the real you. And the Bible says that's the most important thing you have as a human being created in the image and likeness of God is your heart. And God says you need to guard that thing, the inward man, above all else because it determines the course and the outcome of your life. It's so important because if we don't guard our heart, implying that the course of our life will end up in a place that we don't want it to end up in. So it says to guard your heart, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course and the end of your life, where you end up in life. Once again, your heart tonight is your inward man, your spirit, your soul, where your heart is, where your desires are, where your wants are, the things you love comes out of, that's the real you, and that is your heart. And that's what he says you need to guard. And we need to guard it because out of it flows our life. Now, a couple things about guarding that you need to understand is this. He says to guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Why do you guard something? You guard something because it's valuable. You guard something because it's valuable. You know, they put guards at a bank on purpose because there's valuables there. There's lots of money. There's lots of gold. There's, there's lots of things at the bank, and that's why there's a guard there because it's valuable. There's a reason, even just physically, why do, you know, police officers and military people put on a armored vest, a bulletproof vest. They put it on because it's guarding their heart because their heart is valuable. Now, it's not good to get shot anywhere, but you definitely don't want it hitting your heart because out of it flows the issues of life, right? Like, like you can handle a foot shot and a knee shot and an arm shot, but don't hit your heart. Why? You got to guard your heart because it's valuable. Now, you got to guard your physical heart because it's valuable, but how much more your spiritual heart, the inward man, God says to guard it with everything you have because out of it will flow your life. And you cannot live without it. That's why you got to guard it. Because out of it flows the issues of life. Are you guys here so far? So, another reason we guard it is because it implies in the scriptures, if God tells you to guard something, that means that there's something coming to take it. When God tells you to guard something or to keep something, that means there's something going to come that's going to try to take it away, mess with it, and hurt it. So you need to be prepared ahead of time to guard it because there is an enemy coming to mess with that thing you're supposed to be guarding. Now, it's kind of the same way implied in Genesis when, when God told Adam and Eve, you need to guard and keep the garden because he was telling them, you need to get ready because there's an enemy about to come, which he did. And Adam and Eve didn't guard it, and that's why the enemy got in and took their heart. So he tells us to guard our heart above all else because it's valuable, but also because something is coming to take it away from him. So important. And you got to realize that everything that God creates, Satan counterfeits. Everything God invents, Satan perverts. Everything God designs, Satan destroys. And that's his goal with your heart. That's why you got to guard it. 
Because if he gets his hands on it, he will mold it to his image and it will start changing. It will start being formed into another image, not the image of God, and it will be destroyed. It will be hurt. It will be perverted because whatever God does, Satan tries to come, destroy it, and take it away. That's why he says, guard your heart. You with me tonight? So guard your heart, for out of it flows your life. It determines your life, where you end up. How many of you care where you end up in life? Do you, get, you guys really mean that? Do you care where you end up? You, do you care how your future looks? What's the answer? Guard your heart. Because it's valuable, but also because there's an enemy coming to take it away from God. Now, there's something that happens in your heart, and this is the way you were designed and created, and this is an overarching theme in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, is that your heart was meant for worship. Your heart was meant to worship. That's every human being that was ever created was a, created a worshiper. I don't care if you can't sing. You were created a worshiper. I don't care if you can't play an instrument. You were created a worshiper. All of us were created worshipers. And our heart is to worship the one true living God and to guard our heart from other lesser things. Why? Because it determines the course of our life. But this is what worship is and this is what worship isn't. Worship is not a song you sing up here. Worship is not when you come to church. Worship is your lifestyle. Worship is whatever you pour your life into. Worship is what you give your time, your talent, your treasure to. Worship is where your heart is. Worship is where your desires are. That's what you really worship. Now, a worship song is meant to push your heart back in the right direction to the one you're supposed to be worshiping in the first place. That's why it's called worship. But just this is not worship. This is a starting place, not an ending place. But whatever you worship is what you give your life to. What you give your time to, your treasure, your thoughts, your heart's desires, and you pour yourself into. So all of us in here worship a lot of things, not just God. Because we were created worshipers. Now, Worship is so important because that's the way God made us. But we need to do it God's way if we want God's results. Now, once again, we were all created worshipers. So the question is not whether we are a worshiper or not. The question is what are we worshiping? There's so many people, you know, especially your friends at school or, 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 you know, at your university or, you know, people that you meet at uh, the lunch table and, and people you work out with and, and people you play sports with and, and people you hang out with and talk to on Snapchat. You know, some of those people are the same people say, well, I don't worship anything. I, I'm not really into church and religion and worship and I don't do that stuff. They're still worshiping, just not God. But they were made a worshiper. So they're, they're choosing to worship something with their life. They're, they're pouring themselves out onto something or someone. They're giving their heart to something or someone. They're giving their time, their talent, their treasure to something or someone. So they are a worshiper. There's no such thing as someone who doesn't worship. 
I don't care what you believe in. I don't care what God you believe in. Or you say you don't believe anything. You're still a worshiper because God created you that way. But you got to guard your heart. Because whoever has your worship has your heart. Whoever has your worship has your heart. Isn't that kind of a common theme we've been talking about this week? About who has your heart? Obsession. That not only does God love us so much and he's passionate and obsessed about us, but that we need to give our heart back to him because he first loved us. Whoever has our heart has our worship. And whoever has our worship has our heart. Now, I'm going to give you some verses in Romans. Can we, can we study the Bible a second? You guys are, guys are awake. I know it's third night of camp. But we're talking about everyone was created a worshiper. Can I, can I read to you some heavy verses? We'll get through them, but, but I'm trying to teach you. Romans 1, and we're going to go to verse 20 through 25. Now listen to this. For ever since the world was created, that's a long time. Okay? This is what happens. People have seen the earth and sky through everything God made, and they can clearly see. His invisible qualities. How many know you don't have to hear God speak to know that God is real? Open your stinking eyes. See every mountain that was ever created. See every river that was ever created. See every animal that was ever created. See the intricacy of the human body and the human mind. It's clearly visible that there is a God. That's what the verse is saying. Since the beginning of time, Mankind can clearly see that God is real. But this is what happens. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. And we're talking about worship here. Verse 21. Yes, they knew God, but they would not worship him as God or even give him thanks. And this is what happens when people do this and give their heart to something else to worship. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Man, does that not sound like TikTok right now? <laughs> okay, I got to get back. As a result, their minds become dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, we've seen this, they instead become fools. Listen to this. Instead of worshiping, because we're all created worshipers. The glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people, birds, animals, and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. Now, when it says God abandoned them, that means you have a will, and God's going to respect your will even if you're doing the wrong things. Because he's not going to override your will. So when God says he abandoned him, it's not like God doesn't care about us. It's him saying, you want to do this, and you have your own will, so I'm going to allow you to do this even though it's going to hurt you. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile, degrading things with each other's bodies. Welcome to summer camp, guys. <laughs> Praise God. Verse 25, this is the verse I was looking for. They traded the truth about God for a lie. And this is what they do. This is what everyone does on the planet since the beginning of human history. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. 
Because we're all worshipers. So the question is not if you are a worshiper, it's what are you worshiping? Who has your heart? Now, there, there's two different categories, and everyone's in this. Whether you want to be or not, you're in this, okay? Because you're a worshiper. There's people that are worshiping the creator, and there's people worshiping created things. There's people worshiping the giver, and there's people worshiping the gift. There's people believing the truth, and there's people believing a lie. Everyone you know is in this category because we're all worshipers. But this is what the Bible says. When we worship something other than God, which is the only one worthy of being worshiped, the Bible calls that word idolatry. Aren't you having a fun time at camp? It's called idolatry. When you worship the true and living God, there's things that happen to you for the better. You start changing, you start growing, you start healing. But if you choose to worship something other than God, which is idolatry, you start changing as well for the worse. One ends up with restoration and the other ends up in ruin. Whoever we worship. Now, something about worship is this. Worship comes from the word worth. You worship whatever you think is worth it. If you think God is worth it, you worship him. If you think sex is worth it, you worship it. If you think money is worth it, you worship it. If you think education is worth it, you worship it. If you think any other thing other than God is worth it, you give worship to it. Once again, worship is not just at the altar. Worship is what you give your life to, your time to, your talent to. You pour yourself into. Your desires in your heart goes there. So whatever we worship is what we consider worth it. What do you consider worth it? What are you giving your life to, your time to, your future to? That's what you really think is worth it. Some of you are obsessed with sports, and I love sports like you, but what are you doing? You're saying that's worth it. Some of you are obsessed with getting into a certain college, and you're all about getting your education, which I think is great. But you're saying this is worth it, so I'm going to give myself to it. But true worship to the living God is saying, God, yeah, all those things could be important, all those things could be valuable, but you are most worth it. So I'm going to give you my worship. Come on, baby, I'm worth it, right? Let's go. Sometimes you just got to say that to God. You're worth it. God thought you were worth it enough to die for you. Where you at this Sunday night? God thought you were worth it enough to, to come and die for you and to come and love you and to come after you and to come rescue you and to come heal you and to come deliver you and to come save you and to come restore you. And when you see that God called you worth it, 
it's easy to worship him because he's worth it. Come on, I need some more help in the house of God tonight. Especially from this back corner of preachers. We were all created worshipers. So once again, when we, we worship something else other than the true and living God, it's called idolatry. Fun word to use. Bring it up with your friends at school. It's a good starting place. Are you guys idol worshipers? Can we start a group chat called idol worshipers? Can we, can we just do that? It would be a great way to introduce yourself next time you go back to school. So idolatry is anything we worship other than the true and living God. And we see this all throughout human history, and it mentioned that in the Bible. Every ancient culture had idols. They worshiped. Like some looked like a crocodile. Some looked like a bird. Some looked like a donkey. Some looked like a lion. And all these ancient cultures would go worship these idols because they thought they were worth it. They thought, if I worship this God, it will give me this. And if I worship this God, it will give me this. And if I worship this God, it will give me this. But every time they did it, it backfired on them. Because there's only one true and living God. And when we worship the wrong things, we don't guard our heart, and we end up off course in our life. Why? Because the Bible says guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Are you tracking with me tonight? Are you picking up what I'm laying down? All right? But even up into the Greeks and the Romans in the time the New Testament was written, there was a new group of gods. How many know they were the same idols, different day? The names change, but the idols don't. And when the Greeks and the Romans came around in the time that Jesus lived, in the time that the New Testament was written, they were worshiping different gods with different names. But they all stood for the same things. One stood for sex, and one stood for money, and one stood for prosperity, and one stood for power, and one stood for this and that. It's the same stuff we're dealing with today. The same idols, different day. And they got the same results back then. Because we're all created worshipers. And even in 2022, they're called something different than they were in ancient cultures. And they're called something different than the Greeks and Romans. They're called something different today in 2022 in the United States of America. We don't call them the names of these gods, but they're still idols nonetheless. We don't call it the idol of sex anymore. We call it the idol of Pornhub. We don't call it the idol of sports. It's called ESPN. We don't call it the, the idol of beauty. We call it the idol of Vogue and GQ. We don't call it the idol of money anymore. We call it Wall Street and Bitcoin, which you're going to lose all your money if it's in Bitcoin, by the way. Um, we don't call it these names anymore. They're different names, but the same useless, worthless ineffective, destructive idols that they had in ancient cultures and Greeks and Romans. And we think we're so far beyond it in 2022. And we're just as dumb and stubborn as every culture that's ever lived on this planet. Because we're all worshipers. And God said, what do you say? Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Are you liking this so far? Are you tracking with me? I can't tell by your face, but we're going somewhere 
really special if you stay with me. There'll be a treat at the end of service. There we go. Come on, PowerPoint. Thank you very much. Thank you, visuals. This is what Tim Keller said about an idol. An idol is anything that we are, our heart is more passionate about than God. I'm not done. (laughs) Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you that only God can give you. And something that is so central to you, if you lose it, life would not be worth living. That's an idol. So, idolatry is fun, right? It's fun to talk about at summer camp. This is what John Calvin said, who was a reformer in church history. He said, the human heart is a constant idol factory. What does that mean? Because we're created worshipers, it's just our natural response. We always like to just put something in that place at all times. If it's not God, it's like, okay, it's this relationship. It's this addiction. It's, it's my education. It's my money. It's my power. It's this. It's that. And we always got to, we got to make something because that's what we, the way we were created. We were created worshipers. So, so the human heart, even for the believer, is a constant idol factory creating things to worship other than God. That's why he says guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So let's turn to 1 John 5, 21. Are you still here? 1 John 5, 21. Look what it says. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Now, I know you're super offended at this verse because you're like, we are not children, pastor. This is not Bible Adventure Week. We are, don't, do not call me ch- children at summer camp. Listen, I'm not. The Apostle John is. Let me tell you why he is. Because we've been talking about this all week about the disciple who Jesus loved. You, you remember him? We, we talked about him. Caleb preached an amazing message about John, the beloved, the disciple who Jesus loved. Well, guess what? The same John that was the disciple who Jesus loved wrote this at the end of his life. And the apostle John is an elderly man writing 1 John 5.21. So how many know, since he's an elderly, elderly man, anyone younger than him is going to be a little child? That's how old people talk. It doesn't matter if you're like 40 or 50. To an 80-year-old, you're a little kid. You're sweetie pie. You're a child compared to them. So that's, that's the tone of the apostle John is he's writing to people way younger than him because he's an elderly man who walked with Jesus, who knew Jesus' love, who was the disciple whom Jesus loved, And he's writing later on in his life as an elderly man, giving his wisdom to the next generation, and he ends one of his books like this. Which is a weird ending. Like he was he was getting it on love and all this great stuff in first John, and he ends it with kind of like a buzzkill. Like, y'all, y'all stay away from idols. Like, really? Man, John, you were preaching about love and fellowshipping with God and all this great stuff, and you end it with little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. That's the way he ends it. The disciple whom Jesus loved. 
Why? Because this elderly man in God knew something about love that we don't know. That we have to guard our love, guard our heart and our affection and our worship that it goes to him and not lesser things. It doesn't go to, to idols, which, which are not just statues. They're, they're anything that we worship that's not the true and living God. And probably these people are having the same response that some of you guys are. You're like, I don't worship idols. I don't have one in my house. I've never seen one. I'm not talking about statues. I'm talking about anything that takes your heart away from God. Look what the New Living Translation brings out about this verse. It says that exact thing. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Now, he's talking to Christians. So he's saying even for Christians, there can be something in your heart that takes God's place. How does that happen? Because you didn't guard your heart and started worshiping something else other than him. Guard your heart, for out of it flows your life. But here's something about idols that the Apostle John knew that a lot of us don't get. Idols don't love you back. You, now, you can love an idol, but they won't love you back. Now, now, you know what I'm saying? Have you heard people say that before? Like, um, like I would say this, like, I love Chinese. Are you following me? But Chinese doesn't love me back. Did you catch that? Are you with me? <laughs> or you could say, I love queso, but queso doesn't love me back. Well, guess what? You can love idols all you want, but they won't love you back. Now, what do, what do people mean when they say that, even like about food? Like, I love that, but it doesn't love me back. What are they saying? When I choose to love that thing, it ends in destruction. In the toilet. When, when I love that thing and worship that thing, it ends badly. Like, like I love this certain pair of jeans, but it doesn't love me back. I'm not saying these jeans because I look good tonight, but. Like, I, I love this certain car, but, you know, sometimes when you get in, it has issues, but the car doesn't love me back. Like, people say that. Why? Because you love that thing, but, but it doesn't love you back. I want to tell you tonight, if you don't get anything else that I say tonight, I want you to know that if it's not God, if you love idols, they will not love you back. I don't care how shiny they are. I don't care how deceptive they are. I don't care how enticing they are. Anything you worship other than God will backfire. Anything you worship other than God will bite you. Anything you worship and give your heart to other than God will end in disaster. Just as explosive as it can be after a Chinese food. That's what the course of your life will look like. Can I get amen? That's probably what all the guys' toilets look like after that Philly cheesesteak at lunch, Right? I think somebody at the table said, if it looks like this going in, 
you know what this cheesesteak is about to look like coming out. And it ain't the Holy Ghost. Can we bring that verse up one more time first? John 5, 21. Are you getting something today? You promise you're not bored. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Let's listen to an elder statesman in God. The disciple who Jesus loved. We've been talking about him all week like he knows what's up. As an older man, this is what he ended his letter like. Keep away from idols. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Why? Because it's going to try to. And we have to guard our heart for out of it flows the issues of life. We're just getting into the best stuff. Can someone open this for me? Thank you. Are you well? Thank you, sir. So, have you guys ever asked this question about God? Like, when it comes to this subject, I always feel like, God, why are you being so insecure about this? You know? Like, you are God. What's the big deal? Like, like what? Like, God, why are you always bringing up don't serve idols, don't worship this, don't do that? God, why do you care so much? Like, you're God. Anybody been there? Anybody asked that question before? Or even stuff like this, like when God says he's a jealous God, you're like, really, though? Like, you already got us. Like, we love you. Like, why are you jealous? You know why? Because we, we see jealousy in the way we view it in 2022, which is not the same way that the Bible means it. When we say somebody's jealous, that means they're insecure. And they're like, I want your love. I need your love. I need your affection. And I'm insecure, so I'm jealous. That's the way that we view it when we hear the Bible says that God is jealous. But that's not the way it was meant in Bible days. So, so why does God care so much about us worshiping other things that are not him? Why is he so jealous for us? And really a better translation of that in the Bible would be when God says he's jealous, it means he's passionately in love with us. So, so why does God care about that? Now, I'm still on the same topic of why does God care. Or even verses like this, the first commandment in the Bible of the Ten Commandments is, have no other gods before me. Once again, God, why do you care so much about this? Are you just insecure up in heaven? No. He's not insecure. That's not why he says, have no other gods before me because I'll get my feelings hurt because I'm insecure and I need your love. God's not jealous of us because he's a baby and he can't handle us loving something else other than him. No, God knows better than what we know. And he's passionately in love with us. And he wants the best for us. Stay with me. And so he tells us that he's jealous for us and he doesn't want us to worship other gods other than him. He wants us to serve him and him alone. He tells us to have no other gods before me because he knows better than us and he wants what's best for us. He tells us even in the Gospels, Jesus said the number one commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why does God want us to give him our heart? Because he knows 
our heart in the hand of something else other than him will destroy us. It's out of his love he warns us. It's out of his love, his passionate love that he says, don't serve them because if you do, your life's going to get off course. Why? Because you guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. If you, you give it to the wrong thing, it's going to get off course. You end up in the wrong place. It's not a good place. Destructive place. Because they're not able to handle your worship. Are you following me today? So, so God tells us to worship him and to love him and to have no other gods before him. And he's jealous for us because he loves us enough to want what's best for our life. And if we worship anything else other than him, give our heart to anything else other than him, it will end in ruin. So it's not insecurity, it's actually God's loving wisdom and kindness and correction that's trying to help us stay on the right course. But here are some more reasons why God wants us to worship him and not idols. Because he he knows more than what we know and he understands worship differently than the way we understand worship. Here's one of the main reasons why he doesn't want us to worship other things because we become what we worship. We become what we worship. And guess what? God wants us to become like us, like him. He wants us to become like him. Why? Because we are created in his image and his likeness, and the Bible says he's transforming us into that same image, and it only happens through worship. And God tells us that he wants us to worship him and not other things. Why? Because we become what we worship. And he doesn't want us to become those other things because it will end in destruction. But when we worship him, it ends in restoration. It ends in healing. It ends in us becoming our true self, our true identity, and we're transformed into the same image of God which is actually what we all want. It determines the course of our life. Now, I'm going to need a little bit better response to the rest of this message. The Bible says that worship does something. When we worship, it's called transformation. When we worship, it changes us, whether for healing or for hurt. When we worship, it changes us for ruin or restoration. When we worship, it changes us into another person. That's why God says to worship him and not these lesser things. Because it changes us into somebody different. Worship changes the one worshiping into the image of the one they are worshiping. So, let me tell you a few stories. about worship. Once again, worship is not at the altar. It's what you give your time, your, your attention to, you pour yourself out on. I'm going to talk about two phases I had in my life in middle school and high school. You want to hear about them? Because you become what you worship. The first was my hood phase. Don't laugh. 
I still got a little bit in me. So, Mr. Josh Lowry could, uh, you know, say amen to this because he was with me during those days. So, like 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, those are my hood days. And so, now, once again, I am white. Just in case you didn't know that. Um, I don't preach like I'm white, but I am white. And I grew up in the suburbs. I didn't grow up in the hood. I didn't grow up, you know, on the streets of the ville. I grew up in the suburbs as a white kid. Now, that's not, that's not what I chose, but that's the cards that were dealt to me. You know what I'm saying? Because that's not me, but that's just what happened to that's what happened. Okay, anyways, I'm over it. I'll, I'll, I'll get up in the line for forgiveness later. Um, so I had the hood phase, and this is what happened. Um, about 6th, 7th, 8th grade, I got super into basketball, which I still love basketball, and I got super into rap and hip-hop. And so what happened? I started worshiping. Because it's whatever you give your time, your talent, your treasure, your, your attention to, and you start pouring yourself into it. So 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, I started looking different. Why? Because you become what you worship. I started talking different. I started acting different. Why? Because you become what you worship. And I know you think it's funny, but if it's true for that, it's true for everything else in your life. And if you'll change that quickly over something that shallow, how much more for the deeper issues that some of you guys are giving your life to? So anyways, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, Josh Lyre was here for the whole thing. He encouraged this. He helped me buy clothes. So, so I was rocking FUBU, Fat Farm, Sean John, Value City, just great stuff. And one. I was going to Christian Academy, of course, Graceland, private school. Rocking this type of stuff, and a bandana, and a gold chain. Listening to rap music that was not Christian. Listen, there wasn't the rappers back then than there was today in the Christian rap scene. But still, I started talking different. You know what I'm saying? You've had those friends that they start hanging with a group of people and like, what happened to your accent? Isn't that weird? I had somebody that used to go to our church, like they were wearing Hollister, and when they came back, they were wearing like hood clothes, and they were talking different. I'm like, what's your problem? Why are you talking weird? Don't you ever want to say that to people when they start hanging out with somebody different? Why? Because they're becoming what they're worshiping. So I started looking different. I started dressing different. I started listening to things that were different. I started thinking different. I started talking different. Why? Because you become what you worship. Now, that was a trivial thing. It didn't hurt nobody. I hurt somebody. I didn't. But that's just a, one example of many of when you start giving your life to it, you start giving your desires to something, you start giving your heart to something, you start giving your time, attention, worship, and pouring yourself on it, you start changing. And you can see it on people. They start changing the way they dress, the way they talk, the way they act, and because you become what you worship. So that was the time frame. Now I still love basketball, and I still got the hood in me. But I had to grow up one day and realize, like, I can't act. This is not me. 
But then I had another phase in high school. And I still have both of these people in me, by the way. But I started, when I got into high school, I still love basketball. But I started getting into watching shows and movies about surfing, about the coastal life. Listen, and I started watching specifically, Danielle, don't, do not smile at me right now. She was there for this part. I started watching this show called Laguna Beach. Listen, which was the outer banks of my generation. It's the same thing, different day. Same idol, different day. So I, so I was watching Laguna Beach, which is a.k.a. Outer Banks. Same plot line, same way they look, same surfing, all the above. Like, beautiful people, surfing, coastal town. And you know, all of us that live, like, in the Midwest, we're like, why can't our life be this way? It's like, the weather stinks, the trees are dead, it's freezing, we live in Indiana, this looks more like Stranger Things than Laguna Beach. And that's why they play Stranger Things in Hawkins, Indiana. Because that's what it looks like around here. And so when you watch a show like that, what your, your, your worship wants to go towards, I want that. So this is what happened. Since I was watching Laguna Beach, which was the Outer Banks of my day, I started changing. I started changing the way I dressed. I started going to PacSun. And I started getting... Billy Bong shorts in Hurley in RVCA and I started wearing skate shoes and I bought a longboard that I kept in my truck just in case I wanted to ride the hills of southern Indiana then I went on a couple trips and I bought a surfboard I live in Indiana, y'all. It's in my office today, the surfboard. But I started giving myself to it, and what happened? I became what I worshipped. Started looking like it, started talking like it, started acting like it. I started even thinking like the people on the show because I was looking up to them too much. Don't act like you're above it. You're not. And what was happening, I started becoming what I was worshiping. So I wasn't in the hood anymore. I was in Orange County. I was a surfer. I had a longboard. I was growing my hair out. I was, you know, had a hat backwards. I had my, you know, skate shoes. I don't skate. I had my Hollister clothes because Hollister was prime Hollister when I was in high school. Prime Hollister. They're, they're washed up now, but back then... Everybody was rocking Hollister, which was a wannabe. It's based off a of surf culture. And I started acting like that, thinking like that, behaving like that. I was becoming what I was worshiping. I know you think these stories are funny, but you guys have changed for lesser things. Same idol, different day. But I started changing. And if... If we will change off of a TV show or other friends or basketball culture or rap culture or whatever it is, how much more we're going to start changing over these deeper issues we're really worshiping, like, like sex and money and career and 
relationships and money and sports and food. If we'll change based off of a TV show that's not even real, even though it's reality TV, how much more will we change for lesser things? But we become what we worship. So that's why God says, I don't want you to have other gods before me. I don't want you to have other idols in your life because it will change you, not for the better, but it will change you to destroy you. It won't make you become who you really are. It will make you become someone different than you should have been. And the thing about worship is it changes us and we become what we worship. You can tell what you're worshiping by who you are becoming. I'm going to say that one more time because I don't think you heard me. You can tell what you're worshiping by who you're becoming. If you don't like the way you're becoming, that tells you who you're really worshiping. If you're like, I don't like the person I'm becoming, and you've got to be humble and honest enough to say that. I've had to say that to myself many times in my life. It always is attached to what we are worshiping because you become what you worship. Now, do you guys like those stories? I could have said way more, but for time's sake, I've got I to gotta keep moving. But pertaining to worship, in the Old Testament, we're still talking about you become what you worship. God would even call his own people out on this type of stuff. Like when they would go to a different idol or a different God, God would come back and just like roast his people. And not because he was trying to be a jerk. It was like he loved him and he was like, dude, wake up. Your life is not turning the right direction. Like, you're becoming what you're worshiping. But have you ever seen in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, it repeats stuff like this. It says that people are hard-hearted and they're stiff-necked. Words like that. Why does he say that? Because he's trying to tell them, you're becoming like the lifeless idol you've been worshiping. How many know in that day, there was actually a statue in an idol that was made out of, like, bronze or silver or marble or stone? And trust me, Something like that, guess what? It can't move its neck because it's made out of stone. And so it's become stiff-necked. And if it's made out of stone, it means it's hard-hearted. And because his people would turn time and time again to worship something that wasn't him, he would keep saying, why are you guys being so stiff-necked? Why are you being so hard-headed? Why can't you hear and why can't you see? Why? Because an idol can't see and an idol can't hear. And he's saying, what's the matter with you? You're becoming like the lifeless dead thing that you're worshiping. You say, well, pastor, that's not me. I got no idol in my house. And I, got, I don't got any stone and I don't got any marble statues around. But the principle is still true for us today. We still become hard-headed and stiff-necked and we can't see and we can't hear because we're becoming what we worship. And if the people we look up to act like that, we're becoming more and more like them. And if the things that we give ourselves to look like that, we're becoming more and more like that because we become what we worship. So he says, little children, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from anything that takes God's place in your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows your life. So, 
The reason God says to not have any gods before him and he wants the worship and not other things is because he knows better than us and we become what we worship. When we become more and more like him from worshiping, it heals our life. But when we worship other things, it hurts and destroys our life. That's just the way worship is. We become what we worship. So follow me. Got a few more things. Here's the next part. Idols always overpromise and underdeliver. Idols always overpromise and underdeliver. Now I'm by no means old, but I have experienced a lot in my short life so far. And I can tell you for a matter of fact, every single thing that I thought would be the thing was not the thing. But doesn't every generation like redo that and like, no, but it is the thing though. And then they find out and say, well, it's not the thing. And they tell the next generation to go, but it is the thing though. But it's not the thing though. And then the next generation says, no, I'm going to try to figure it out. I'm going to try to do my own thing. And then they... It's like a constant replay of the book of Ecclesiastes for every generation. Like how many more times do you have to find out that, yeah, guess what? Sex will not do it. Money will not do it. Education will not do it. Food will not do it. Wine will not do it. Drugs will not do it. Family will not do it. Kids will not do it. Sports will not do it. Nothing will do it. Guess what? The thing will not be the thing when you get the thing. It won't. But that's the greatest hook of idols. Every time they say, but this is going to be the thing, though. Right? They're, but this is going to be the thing, though. How do, how do people escalate, like, when they're taking drugs? Like, they start off on, since you guys love this joke, CBD gummies. Like, you start there. I'm joking. There's, no, there's nothing in CBD to make you high, but just by the way. You start here at like just smoking a cigarette, so it's not a big deal. And then there's like, I'm not going to do anything else. That's how it always starts. I'm not going to do anything else. But then that doesn't fulfill you and satisfy you. So what do they say? Well, it's not this thing, but go be the next thing. Right? And then it has to jump up a notch. Like, okay, well, it's going to be weed. But this is it. And then when that's not the thing, there's like, okay, well, we got to jump it up. You know, let's just go cocaine. Let, we're going to keep jumping and jumping and jumping. And every time you get there, the thing is not the thing that you thought was the thing. That's the hook of idols. And that's, that's true of drugs. That's true of education. That's true of your career. That's true of sex. That's true of everything in your life that you think is so important. Because idols are... Always over-promise and under-deliver. Once again, why does God want you to worship Him? Because He always over-promises and over-delivers. I serve a God who does exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. So He's like, you need to worship me because you'll get the right stinking results. And when I promise something, I don't just make it come to pass. I overpromise and overdeliver because I'm a God who can do exceedingly above all you can ask or think or imagine. 
So that's why I want you to worship me so you don't live your life depressed and disappointed at the thing that you thought was the thing that's not the thing. Are you picking up what I'm laying down tonight? Idols always over-promise and under-deliver. Because when you get there, you're disappointed. Gosh, I hate that. And I'm one of those people that leans that way. I'm just like, but I got to try it, though. Because <laughs> I'm a second-born, right? Any second-borns in here? Like, first-borns don't try it. They're just like, Mom and Dad, I agree with you, I love you, and I love God. <laughs> Get out of here, rule keeper. But, you know, someone like me, who's second-born, who's 50 shades of gray, Not black and white. Somebody like us, we got to try it. We're just like, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but I got to try it. Because it could be the thing that's the thing that's really not the thing. But guess what? It always overpromises and under delivers. It's not. And God doesn't want us to live our lives empty and disappointed and depressed because we're worshiping other things that are not him. Because he knows if we do worship and give our heart to that idol, it won't be the life that we want. We'll be disappointed. God doesn't want you disappointed. That's why he wants you to worship him. Because he's the one who can fulfill that need in your heart. He's still here. So, couple quotes to think about. First one is from C.S. Lewis. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. I love it. He just like literally calls out of all human history, and I love it. So well said. He says, the sad, long, tragic story of human history is man trying to find something other than God to make him happy. God is all, for all time. That's what we do. And then we repeat it. Generation after generation after generation after generation. Why is it a long, tragic, sad story of human history? Why is human history sad? Because Majority of us have chosen to worship things that are not God, and it ends in disappointment. But that's what we do. We always like, yeah, but I'm going to try. No, the long, sad, tragic history of mankind is man trying to find something other than God to make him happy. And it doesn't work because idols don't love you back. But I love the idol, but it doesn't love you back. But I love it so much, but it does not love you back. But I got to have it, but it doesn't love you back. But God does love you back. Idols always overpromise and underdeliver. Can I get the praise team to come up?
You guys get anything tonight? I got a, I got a few more things, so stay, stay with me. Stay engaged as the worship team comes up. And then we're going to minister to some people. Idols will never fulfill you or will never heal you, will never make your life the way you want it to be. That's why God says, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. I love this, St. Augustine, who was a church father, he said, God, you made us for yourself, and our hearts will be restless until we rest in you. God, you made us for yourself, and our hearts will be restless until they rest in you. That's the thing about idols. We weren't made for them, so they can't fulfill us. They can't help us. They can't heal us. Only we were made for God, and we're going to be restless, frustrated, burned out, upset the rest of our lives if we try to rest in anything that's not him. Because we weren't made for that. We were made for him, to love him, to worship him. Because he first loved us. And we'll be restless. Now, this is the most restless generation I've ever seen in my entire life. Why do we need to scroll the way we do? And it's never enough, right? Because we're restless. We are scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And the people that created this from social media, they did it on purpose because it's addicting. It's called the endless scroll because there's no end to it. Just, just like there's no end to that, you'll never be satisfied in it. Because there'll always be another YouTube video. And there'll always be another TikTok. And there'll always be another Instagram. And once you see it, you don't feel any better. And we're restless. And many people are restless. That's why they do the drugs they do. And I'm not shaming or condemning you. I get it. You're trying to fill yourself with the emptiness on the inside of you. So you feel like if I drink enough, smoke enough, do enough, I won't think about this. But when you get quiet again, you're restless. There's not enough girls or guys you can sleep with to fill that void. Don't matter how great the sex is or how much you think about it, it will not fulfill you. You'll be restless. You'll be restless with your phone. If you get the job, the dream job you said you wanted, guess what? When you get there, you'll still be restless. When you get the money so you can go on the vacations now and you can live in the neighborhood now and you got the car now, you'll still be restless unless you turn your heart back to God because that's what you were made for. St. Augustine once again said, you were made for him and your heart will be restless until it rests in you. You still with me tonight? 
I got a few more things. I feel like you're really listening right now. Thank you for helping me on the keys. But there's one more thing about worship that we need to understand. The Bible talks about that worship, another reason that God wants the worship to go to Him and not idols is worship is weighty. Worship is weighty. Now what do I mean by that? The Bible says that when we worship God, His glory comes down. The Bible says that, especially in the Old Testament, when they worship God, God's glory would come. God's presence would come. But that word glory in the Bible means to have weight to it. To have weight to it because worship is weighty. And this does not mean that God's fat. That means that God is not empty and hollow like the idols that we try to serve and worship. That God has some substance to Him. That, that when, when God's glory and presence comes, that we are changed into the same image of the one that we are worshiping. That when we get into God's presence, He puts His weight behind us, and we can move ahead when we couldn't move ahead because the idols have no weight to them. They got no glory to them. So they can't help us. They can't change us. They can't move us forward. But we got a God who's glory-filled, which means he's got weight. He's weighty. That's why sometimes when you feel God's presence, it feels like a cloud came down or, or a coat came upon you or you feel kind of heavy. What is that? That's God's glory. That's his weight in his presence. And God... That happens when we, we worship God's glory because worship is weighty. But, but here's another way to take it. And I actually need two people that I thought about earlier to come up here if they're okay with that. I need Joseph and I need Judah. Great names. Come on up. I appreciate your response. I meant the big man, Joseph. So you stand over here, Joseph. Judah, you stand over here. So we said when we worship God, His glory comes in, and His glory means there's weight to it. Not only does His presence come, that means it's not empty, but He puts His weight behind us. But here's another way to put it. God's glory means that we can put our weight on Him, and He can carry us. He can handle the weight. So he doesn't want us to worship lesser things because they can't carry the weight of your life. They can't carry the weight of your future. They can't carry the weight of your marriage when you get married one day. They can't carry the weight of you raising kids. They can't carry the weight of you going to college. They can't carry the weight of your physical health. They can't carry the weight of your mind. So God says, I want you to give me worship because when you give me worship, there's my glory that not only do I bring my weight, but you can put your weight on me and I can handle it and carry the weight. But if you do it to lesser things, they can't carry the weight. They'll drop you. If you're worshiping lesser things and idols, they won't carry the weight. Now, I appreciate you two being up here. But let's think about this. 
If I got up on this stage, which I'm not because I don't want to get in my own prayer line, and I did a trust fall, could you just maybe choose one of these two people you think should be able to be in front of me to catch me? Which one do you think could carry and handle the weight? Which one? Point at them. What do you think would happen if I tried to jump off this and Judah tried to hold me? We would both get hurt on the ground. But that's what our life looks like when we try to give our worship to idols. We're giving our life to it, but they can't carry the weight. They can't carry our life. They can't carry our future. It's like me trying to trust fall on top of Judah. Guess what? We're both going to get hurt. And that's what happens to our life. But guess what? If Joseph came up here and I jumped into his arms, he could carry my weight. He could handle my life. He could handle my future. And that's what we do when we give worship to the true and living God. We give it to the one who can really carry our weight, really carry our life, really carry our future. And he says, don't worship idols. Why? Because if you jump out on them, you'll fall. You'll be destroyed. They won't be able to handle it. Because they got no glory. They got no weight behind them. They're empty. They're hollow. They're flimsy. And when you step out on them, you'll both be destroyed. But when you step out on God, when we worship Him, His glory comes, His weight comes that can handle our weight. You guys can be seated. Can you give it up for these two? And I believe God's glory and God's presence is already in here right now. But it's going to stay in here tonight as we worship and as we have some ministry time. But last verse, 2 Corinthians 16 and verse 9. I love this. It says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. The eyes of the Lord are looking, not for perfect people, not for polished people, but just for some people that will give him their heart, will give him their worship. That's what he's looking for. Now, why does he want your heart and your worship? Because he knows how to handle it. And idols don't. Because idols don't love you back. Did you guys get anything tonight? Can you stand up tonight with me? Like if you're one of those people that says, I'm one of those people that are going to be committed to his heart for his worship. Because it says God is looking for people like that to show up in their life. He's looking for people like that to be strong on their behalf. He's looking for people like that to show up and get his glory, his weight involved with them. Because they've given God their heart and they've given God their worship. But it says God's looking to show up for people like that. So if you feel like you're one of those people today, we're going to start praying for people. Let's start lining up. If you say, God, that's me. Look no further, God. You got my heart. You got my heart. 
He's looking to show up and strengthen people that will give Him worship, will give Him praise, will give Him their heart. God's looking for people, not that are perfect, but just says, God, I'll give you my heart, I'll give you my worship. And I refuse to give it to anything else. I say today, I'm going to guard it, I'm going to keep it, for out of it flows my life. I'm not going to give it to lesser things that can't fulfill me, that cannot satisfy me, that cannot help me. I'm going to give it to you and you alone. Give you my heart, my worship, my love. Put it in the one who his hands are able to keep it and carry it and help you. And when you put it into his hands, your life, you're going to get healthier, you're going to get stronger, you're going to get better, and you're going to become just like him. And the course of your life is going to end up in the direction you want it to go because you kept your heart and your worship towards Him. Anybody agree with that tonight? Can we get the lights down for a second? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's just all lift up our hands right now for a second to worship for a moment before we sing and we pray for some people. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. God, we make a commitment right now. We will worship no other God. Put no other gods before you. Worship you and you alone. God, you have our heart. I think your word says you're going to show yourself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is committed to Him. You're going to show up in our life. You're going to put your weight and your glory behind us and around us and upon us in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media 